welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're full season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. Well, it's been two games in a week and two defeats. We'll talk about the heavy loss to Gloucester in the Premiership Cup and the disappointing defeat in the league against Northampton. We'll also look ahead to the upcoming game at Sale in the Champions Cup. You'll hear our thoughts on that match and those from the Sale podcast, The Shark Tank. We'll also talk about the news that the Bears might have messed up on some contracts. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Pete and Miles for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, we are back on Zoom for the first time in quite a while. Um, uh, A very good reason is that two thirds of us have been struck down with COVID this week. Let me go to Pete. One of my fellow suffer, sufferers, um, that joyous weekend in North London, maybe we came away with a bit more than we anticipated. Well, I think so, Tone. I mean, going all the way to London on the train, all the way through the underground system and having a massive Mackie D's lunch in one of the busiest uh, outlets in North London without wearing a mask was probably, in hindsight, not a great idea. Um, So, yeah, both of us uh, have succumbed to to COVID um, this week. Uh, I don't know about you, Tone. I, I, I didn't feel too bad. I had a bit of a heavy cold, I gotta say. Um, and 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 did I get any sympathy at home? No. And, and it was your birthday. And on it was my birthday. What you had for your birthday was COVID. And and the funny thing was, exactly a year ago, you may remember, I uh, I actually booked my first COVID jab on my 50th birthday. So I suppose you could argue it's been a kind of memorable year for me and, and and maybe actually quite a positive thing because if I hadn't had these jabs, you know, I might be in a worse state than I am now. And, and actually now I feel fine. So yeah, we got me, got me in the end. It, it got, got, got both of us in the end. Uh, and Miles, you're at the stately home. I can see uh, the, the log fire roaring in the background there and the silver service being polished up, ready for supper. How are you? Well, yeah, I'm great, Tish. I'm a bit, bit worried if there was a, a fire in the loft. I'll be calling the fire brigade. <laughs> That's what, I've been relegated to the judge's office and their laptop as well. But yeah, I'm great. I somehow seems to, seem to have avoided COVID despite living with it for the last 10 days. And uh, unlike you boys, didn't go to North London. So Lee and I, we're still, still staying strong and COVID free, at least, at least for this week. And I had, yeah, had a lovely day with the family, cycled the strawberry line, tasted a fine pint of Thatcher's. Obviously, there's other ciders on the market, but Pete described me more like the famous five. I mean, I feel a bit disgraced, really. But, but lashings. Nice Going on the strawberry line with a big lunch hamper, <laughs> lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> Marvellous. It was, it, was it was absolutely freezing. So I'm glad to be back in the warmth of my own home. And yeah, the log, log burner is on the go down on the down in the basements. Well, guys, uh, no Lee this week. He unfortunately couldn't make it. So it's just the three of us. But boy, have we got a lot to talk about. So uh, thinking back to that heady Saturday in North London where we ran uh, Super Saracen so close, a team littered with international stars. 
maybe the expectations were raised a little when it came to the Premiership Cup game on Wednesday night uh, and then the the league trip to Northampton. But uh, let's deal with that Premiership Cup game uh, first. Let me come to you, Pete. Um, we both had tickets for that, but being the good citizens that we are, uh, we're, we're self-isolating. Um, I'm pretty yeah, glad I didn't no, go I mean, in the end. Looking at the stadium on the TV, I mean, we could have gone. We would have been isolating in the Dolman because there weren't very many people sat there, were there? So maybe we should have gone. But um, yeah, it was a. I would say that it it was about as uh, the game was about as exciting as the weather. I think it was a pretty dour night for Bristol, um, and got thoroughly schooled by a young, fit, and well-drilled Gloucester pack. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, and Miles, I mean, it started reasonably well. I think we took an early penalty, didn't we, with Jack Lloyd, and then there was another penalty missed. And, you know, that first 10, 15 minutes, I thought, well, looking looking at the team that we put out, we had a lot of people that had plenty of first team and premiership experience, uh, but we were just blown away, weren't we? Certainly by that Gloucester pack. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they made, uh, I believe they substituted their, their number eight at about 10 minutes, didn't they, for a HIA? Uh, and that was the best uh, best thing could have happened to that squad. The, 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 the number eight replacement that came on, who subsequently got man of the match, was absolutely on fire. And he led that pack from there on into the end of the game. They were pushing us all over the park. And I think you're right, TC. I think looking at the team sheet, we thought there was some experience with the first team in there. Um, and we could maybe get some good points on the board. But despite their pack being fantastic, um, their defence was <laughs> impenetrable as well. I mean, I know we, we did score a few, but apart from that, the sobering 43-15 scoreline, uh, their youngsters just did a job on us. I and mean, if that's where their academy are at at the moment, compared to a lot of our academy, then well, fair play Gloucester. Yeah, it really was uh, quite disheartening, really, to see. I think they mauled from about 25 metres for, for for one of the tries. Um, and uh, Pete, um, you know, a difficult night for Jack Lloyd to come in and start. Still still, still a real young'un. Um, but uh, I, I was mightily impressed with their number 10, George Barton. I thought, uh, considering he got, he got a real... Um, clattering, didn't he, early on? And I, it looked like he maybe couldn't continue. Uh, he, he had a sensational game. Yeah, yeah, I can't add to that. It was, uh, they were just a more cohesive team, weren't they? And I think maybe they had, ironically, by having not mixed and matched academy with kind of first team squad as much as we did, they they benefited from uh, being greater. The sum was much greater than the, the individual parts, perhaps. So, yeah, George Barton, I mean, looks looks very good. I mean, it just served to remind us that Gloucester, are, you know, like we know, are a proper rugby club. And they have, they have players that, you know, grow up in Gloucester and they come through the academy. And Gloucester is a proper rugby town. And, I mean, that guy, Miles is... Um, alluding to the guy with the kind of um, bleached hair who number eight and he was interviewed afterwards and he was I thought he was brilliant he was just so focused and it was like his old dream to play for Gloucester and he said you know we spend our whole week defending the first team driving mall and you just as a kind of unit and you think of course they're going to do well because they're, they're just cohesive so 100% fair play and good luck to them good luck to them in the rest of the competition 
No, absolutely. Well, let's move on then. Um, we had Saturday's trip up to Franklin's Garden. Um, I, I think on the podcast last week, we we weren't particularly optimistic. Optimistic. I think we all went for a, a Northampton win. Um, but uh, may, maybe the start of the game, Miles, you know, again, as we've done so often this season, actually... We, we've gone off to a reasonable start and uh, a, a really well-worked try for Semi, I think, in the sixth minute. Uh, but, what, but what about the disallowed try at three minutes that the Saints nearly got that was held up, on, held up wasn't it, by, by mm-hmm. Bristol? <laughs> that was the more worrying thing, really. I thought at three minutes, I thought, oh, my goodness gracious. But luckily, fair play, decent defence on the line. We held it up. Um but that was followed, I wasn't it, by some horrendous uh, line-out dropout by Shido. Woeful. It only just cleared their head, didn't it? And I think we got a lucky, lucky escape from that. And yes, and subsequently, six minutes on, uh, Big Semi did, did run in the ball for a great try through the back. From our 22, wasn't it? Went to Vui Thaka, who I think got a, I, I believe we'll talk about maybe some of the most metres made to Semi in a great try, but then Shido missed the kick and, um, you know, it, it was 5 0. But I guess to that point, it, for us, it was it was a fairly good start. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd put that, that initial bit out of my mind actually there were so many horror horror stories to uh to, to come really uh pete they got on the scoreboard with a penalty and then a couple of quick fire tries where uh should we say that there looked to be a small chink in our midfield that they uh exploited yeah i mean yeah I mean, and, and let's not forget, they had two tries chalked off for very, very, you know, they were rightly chalked off, but it was marginally close for, you know, foot in touch. And yeah, I mean, it was, oh, it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, there was a lot of things that happened on Saturday, but almost for the first time this season, we we just seemed to, 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 you know, let them run through the middle of us at will at times. And I mean, I think they scored two tries off set piece, first phase, straight through. And I just think, you know, that's, 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 I know they're good and they, they've got some great centres, but they have something seriously wrong there. You just cannot, cannot let that happen. You can maybe have to let it happen once, but then let it happen twice. And so on. So yeah, it was, it was pretty disappointing. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, it kind of set the scene. Uh, just to go back to our try, I mean, it really was an unbelievably good try. That first one we scored, it went through so many pairs of hands, went back, went side to side, and it's exactly what we've kind of always been told is what we're trying to do is we're trying to carve out that little bit of space, get players in certain positions, and you know, you can see Vui is in that position to try and make that little half break and backer and so on, and it was a tremendous try. And, and I just thought, you know, could we? Could we? But I don't know. I, I just think even in that first half, even though we were in touch at the end, the writing was on the wall pretty early on. Yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? I, I had that 
I thought we were either going to sneak it by one point or lose really heavily um, because, you know, with that, that uh, the one that was held up with that little foot in touch, you just thought, is it going to be our, our, our opportunity? I think there was that Lewis Ludlam, wasn't it? He he went for the corner and was it Leo just managed to yeah, just, just get him into touch. You know, were we just having that little bit of luck? But uh we certainly weren't. So they scored their two tries through Hutchinson and Collins, uh, 17-5. Um, and then uh, Newell Argo went off and uh, Miles, that didn't look too good. He's lots of strapping on his knee. And uh, I think they've said since that he's jarred his knee, but uh, not, not, not great that he uh, only got half an hour on the pitch on his return. Oh, yeah, that is a shame. Obviously, you know, Bristol fans will know that he's been... Off having, you know, a couple of red cars this season uh, and he looked very strong until that point. It was exciting to see him back. But yeah, he, he already had a lot of strapping. I mean, there was um, Jardis knee and Morahan came on the 29 minutes. Um, I think he walked off on his own in, in, unaided. So I'm hoping that maybe, you know, a little week in the physio on the physio's bench or maybe in a couple of weeks, he might be all right to come back on. But, um, you know, Morahan came on and I think he, he played really well after we'll chat about this. So a, f- a fair substitution, to be honest. Yeah, it was good to see Luke, Luke Morahan on. Um, and then uh, just after that, I think just uh, just after the half hour, um, Callum Sheedy did his best um, Winger impression diving in in the corner, Pete. Uh, yeah. We haven't seen that very often, have we? No, I mean it was it was a, it raised the spirits somewhat. I got to say, and and fair to Shido, he also um, I think Charles Piertown made the kind of initial half half kind of thrust, as it were, and then he showed a little bit of a, a bit of a sidestep, Shido, to get round the outside. Um, and then the ball kind of went back, and then and then he was there to pick it up, and uh, and it was a rugby league esque dive in. Um, so fair play to him, and uh, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good try, I suppose. Uh, despite what I just said about us uh, never thinking of the game, I suppose that that did raise hopes a little bit. And at that point, I was thinking, you know, this is starting to look like a bit of a crazy bonkers game. And but I I, I don't know, I just felt that there was something not right about our team, uh, even at that point. It, it Attacking, yeah, fine, but that's just half the business, isn't it? And uh, um, and unfortunately, they they went and scored again about three minutes after that, didn't they? So They did, but before we talk about that, Miles, I'm, I'm not quite sure on the timeline when the incident was, but there was the um, Dan Bigger tackle. Oh, that, was, that, was seven, that was on 17 minutes, so that was actually... That was before they scored. That was before all of yeah. that. Um, uh, Miles, your your thoughts on that uh, that decision? Yeah, it, it, I'm, 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 I'm watching it on catch up, and it was only given as a penalty, wasn't it? In the end, um, no yellow card, obviously no red card. And as we will come on to perhaps talk about, Fitz Harding got the the wrong decision and, and subsequently went off. But yeah. I mean, chatting about it last week with the uh, Owen Farrell try, it just appears at the moment the officiating, uh, and you could even argue the TMO, is, is just a bit a, a bit poor at times. Um, you have one match where it's a red, one match where it's a yellow, and one match where it's a penalty, and one where it's nothing at all. And I don't see how DORs and really players can sort of work out 
what what's legal and what isn't. I mean, we obviously know that any tackle, shoulder or head, it, it's just not on and is against the rules of rugby. But I think to get away with another one, just a penalty, was a bit soft from Dixon. And I think Bristol fans will feel a bit aggrieved that, you know, Bigger stayed on the pitch. But being a captain of Wales, uh, perhaps that's another reason, like they commented last week, why he shouldn't have been sent off. That's it. it seems British line fly halves might be exempt from uh, from from punishment. Um, Pete, anything you want to add on that? I mean, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. I'm sure in relation to to Fitzharding once we we get to the second half. But uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I I I don't think there was huge amounts of malice, and we need to stop head injuries in the game 100. But as a spectacle you know, where it does look like, you know, there are some mitigating circumstances. I just don't want to see red cards everywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I um, I thought I was quite surprised there wasn't a yellow. No, I'm, I don't think, I, I, I don't think it was a red. I think it was a yellow. I don't think there's anybody that I've seen on well, like any kind of social media that thought it was... Um, you know, just a penalty apart from the people on the pitch. I think most, even Tigers fans <laughs> were kind of sympathetic. Well, that's, that tells you something, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it, the whole point of this is they've got to try and, you know, Bigger was upright. I mean, it was it was an upright challenge and they're not, and my understanding is that they don't want that to happen. And it's the defend, and, and if Semi's upright, it's the onus is on the defender to not be upright. Mm. And bigger was upright, and I and it hit, and you could you know Pat said afterwards, semi took a headshot, so we were assuming he did get hit in the head. I mean, I've got to say, I think the other evidence that suggested semi took a headshot was because after that he didn't have a clue what was going on in the rest of the game, particularly in defence. So he'd obviously taken a headshot, but um, yeah, I just think okay, would it have changed the game? It it could have done. It wasn't the reason we lost the game. Um, but it's just frustrating. And and we were at Tottenham last last week and we were had the same sort of situation. Yeah, okay, refs have to make decisions. We all know that. But it is just re- it's just a real frustrating thing for the fans, especially when we don't really, really understand where the lines are drawn. Um so it but it it, it was what it was. It, you know, ultimately you've got to say to a team, okay, you didn't get a yellow, you still got to play well. You know, ultimately you're supposed to be playing against 15 men, so you're supposed to beat them. So yeah, yeah it was a controversial talking point, but it wasn't really to me something we should sort of moan about too much beyond in terms of the result. Yeah, yeah. And then of course uh Miles Lewis Ludlam scored that try where uh Looked like he carried half the Bristol team from about 10 metres out uh, over the try line. Um, I mean, that was really disappointing defence, wasn't it? It was a bit. I mean, I know he had a lot of power and he ran from about sort of just sort of about the 10 metre line. But you're right. I think he carried at least there were a few missed tackles. He's a strong and powerful runner. Uh, but he seemed to carry five men with him uh, and cross the line. And it, yeah, defence not great, really. I think the last man on was, was Frisch. But by that point, he was falling over the try line. And a good score for him on 34 minutes. But again, as Pete said, defensively, uh, not great. You know, something for uh, our defence coach certainly to work on. I mean, the, yeah, I think it was three. I think it was Andy Aran, Chris Vui, and Frisch. Um, 
but yeah, 10 yards out. And I, and I, you know, I, I don't blame those boys. I mean, they're doing their best. You know, we could, we know they were trying, they weren't not trying to tackle him, but maybe they just got in the wrong position. But, but again, I mean, the thing is, I was fuming because in the ruck prior to that, Ludlam had gone in at such a sideways angle into the ruck to clear out one of our players. I was shouting like the ref. Okay, he didn't give it. It happens. But, you know, we still had an opportunity to stop that try. So, again, my point I'm trying to make is that, yeah, you know, we can moan about decisions that don't go our way, but we still had an opportunity to stop that try. We still have an opportunity to win, even though Bigger hadn't been sent off. So... I just think it was a, uh, I don't know, it was that was to me that was almost as, that was awful really. I mean that's just that's like watching schoolboy rugby when you've got the big kid running and everyone hanging off him. Hmm. Um, it brought back shivers actually from my school days. I've got to say, but there you go. Um, and I, I've got to admit, I wasn't the big lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just when we thought they, you know, that might be it, they might really open up. Um, we actually go uh, go down the other end, uh, keep it really tight, and. Uh, Jan Thomas, how nice to see Jan get uh, get on the scoreboard, and uh, he really did well, didn't he? To uh, to get that ball over and down, Miles. Uh, it was uh, a real real front row try. Well, it was nice to see that you know, despite me moaning on previous podcasts, which is unusual, that the pick and go actually came to something. <laughs> Which which has rarely happened in the Bristol. I mean, yes, it looked like we were going through phase after phase after phase. And I think we have commented in the past that who really captains this sort of uh, this squad up front and decides when we should ping it out to the back. So we know we've got some fantastic backs. The same happened last week. We came away with nothing. But fantastic for Jan Thomas. We actually came away with a try where he died over the line pretty much with quite a lot of ease, to be honest with you, and little defence at 37 minutes. And I think that then took it up to what 24, 17 at half time, and you know a bonkers, a bonkers half of six tries, wasn't it? But I was a little bit, opt- bit more optimistic at that point. Yeah, yeah. Again, 24-17, it really didn't tell the full story, did it? We could so easily have been, you know, twenty-one points behind, and I don't know. I just felt that if 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 we could keep a bit of discipline, that that you know maybe we could still be in with a a, a chance there. But uh, one one thing we haven't talked about uh, thus far, um, Pete, is uh, you know I think you look at the stats. We had we had decent possession. I think we had decent territory. But things like the line out. I mean, oh. uh, you know, we'll talk individual performances in a moment. Um, but was it three line-out throws that weren't straight? Mm. And, I mean, it's just basic stuff again, isn't it, that's letting us down? And also, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, they scored three tries, Bigger scores three conversions, scores one penalty. Um, we had three tries, we scored one conversion. Mm. You know, Sh- 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 Callum didn't have a, a great day, but if he'd kicked those conversions, we would have been... You know, we would have been level pegging, so or, or pretty much close to level pegging. Um, and I mean, his first conversion was even lower than his dropout twenty, his drop goal line dropout, wasn't it? That first one, he absolutely shanked it. And okay, that can happen. And we know Callum's pretty consistent kicker, but it's just little things. And you're right, it was a. I mean, this is what I meant by I said that 24-17 just didn't feel really that close. And I think we were, despite despite the first kind of 10 minutes where we'd looked pretty sharp and, I mean, Seaver had gone down the wing a couple of times and Semi had made a few breaks and 
despite that first 10 minutes, I just didn't think we were at the races. I just thought there's an, I just didn't feel confident at all at halftime. Um, and, and, you know, it was, came to fruition. I think we, what did we score? Five points in the second half again? I, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty shocking really. Maybe. Yeah. Well, they, they, they scored a penalty, didn't they? To make it 27, 17, then another yeah. try, Tommy Freeman, 32, 17, um, and, uh, you know, we thought, all right, we've conceded that try, but then uh, a very active TMO uh, uh, picked up Semi's. Um, well, I'm not quite sure what Semi was thinking about because it was, it was a high tackle on someone that didn't have the ball. Um, it just was nuts. I mean, you don't think it was at retribution, did you, <laughs> from the first half? I mean, it crossed my mind when I looked at the replay, because it was just unbelievable. When you saw it happen live, you just saw this kind of blur go across the screen. And I, at the time, thought, what the, is that? And it, and I and I had to rewind, rewound in live telly to check who it was. And I could all I could see with this beard, like, going across. And I thought, what's Semi done there? What on earth is he doing? And, I mean, it was just... It was, I know it's awful. I don't want to want to say, I don't like really criticising individuals, really. <laughs> but it was, that was horrendous for a professional. What the hell is he doing? And for somebody who's paid a shed load of money as well. It was actually pretty annoying, that. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. It, I mean, it made me think he was wearing his welly boots because he was, that he just lost his footing or something. I mean, I mean, I just don't, I cannot... Only Semi can know what he was doing in that point. And I don't want to ask him because I really don't want to know, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they, they score again to make it 39-17. And uh, at that point, we could see the only thing that we could possibly hope for is uh, the four try uh, bonus point. And uh, at least we managed to get that, uh, Miles. Uh, Leua scoring uh more or less on 71 minutes. Um, your, your thoughts on that try? Yeah, that was lovely. I mean, I guess we <laughs> we, we might want to say at that point, we were lucky not to obviously get, lose too many more points because by then we'd had semi sent off, hadn't we? And then Fitz Harding sent off for another yellow card. So I think fans will remember who watched the game that we had two players off at once, you know, for about five minutes crossover. It could have gone absolutely dreadful. But yeah, uh, it was a well-worked try. And I think we we commented that it was great to see Morahan back. He, um, you know, took a pass in the line and Leo was out on the wing. And I think the, the, the commentators commented that he had such quick hands. He had the ball in his second for about 1.2 seconds before he threw a huge, like, 30-metre throw out to Leo on the wing, who scored in the corner. And that was just fantastic. I mean, there was a lot of space. Leo caught it and a great try. And that, I think, took us to the score to about 39-22. But at that point, it was just, you know, well, there's one point in the bag. And I think fans at that point were, that's all we could have asked for in that game. Yeah. And sorry, I was a bit remiss there. Not not talking about that Fitzharding yellow. Let's let me come to you, Pete. Um, I think the... It, it's frustrating, isn't it? If 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 Biggers wasn't a yellow, and I think yeah. the, the the referee originally said no, just a penalty, and it was the TMO in his ear, wasn't it? Yeah. No, no, look again, look again. Yeah. I mean that. There's two things there, which is slightly contradictory. Is that a? I don't. I think it probably was a yellow, but I think the point is, is that 
you know, it should bigger. It made it clear that bigger should have been as well. Mm. But the second thing, which is contradictory, was that annoying thing about the TMO, like getting involved. It's like it was almost that. I mean, he's got that kind of soft. He sounded like a geography teacher, didn't he? That soft mm. northern. You know, I mean, it can be nothing worse than being a northern geography teacher. It's like, oh, Carl, oh, just have another look, son. Oh, oh, I don't really want to. I don't want to influence you, but it was a yellow card, and like Carl Dixon, it already made his mind. It's, it's like, what? Who's refing the game? And it's. I saw some interesting comments on social media about Wayne Barnes not liking the TMO getting involved that much and and kind of just sticking with decisions, whether he thinks he's got them right or not. And I, I just, again, it goes back to this thing. It's like, we don't really understand where does, what is the purpose? Where, what are the, are there some clear bullet points about when a TMO is allowed to intervene? Because then you hear them sometimes saying, oh, offside or something like that. And you hear the ref put his arm out. It's like, well, are you, are you refing the game? Because if a ref can't give an offside on his own on the pitch, why are you telling him that someone... It's like you do hear that. It's like 13's offside. It's like, well, if the ref can't see it, then that's just one of the parts of the game, you know. But, but is, is, is that always the TMO or is because the, the linos... Are well, is it? Yeah, you know, you well, could be they? right. Although I've definitely heard TMOs say it, I'm sure on comms, unless it's like they've got the linos in. I, I Or maybe it's just Hugo Monia telling him, I don't know, because we actually don't know... I just think there needs to be, a, you know, this season will run itself out and then there needs to be a little more clarity at the beginning of next season for all of us about what's, where's this, where are the parameters and, and just simplify things maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is why I'm saying it's contradictory. I actually don't disagree with the decision. I think, yeah, Fitz, he was on his way down a bit, but it was difficult. It was a difficult one. I almost think it was like a, a non almost an unavoidable yellow by Fitz. He was committed mm. as a back row forward always has to be. And it's because of his commitment. He was in that position. Guys dipping a little bit. He just got it, the angle slightly wrong. You know, it, you can't really argue with it. No, no. And, uh, well, that was it. Uh, 39-22, it ended. Uh just a frustrating game to watch, Miles, wasn't it? But uh, let's 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 have a look at some of the player performances then, Miles. If you you take the forwards and Pete, maybe you take the backs. Um, who uh, who stood out for you? Who gets mentioned in dispatches, Miles? I think yeah, it's, it's slightly sort of contradictory because I think a lot of fans, I think on on, on the sort of social media, commented that. <laughs> Um, Thacker had an amazing game and I agree his running lines and his attacking was fantastic and I think I commented earlier he made some of the most metres made of all the players however on the flip side as you pointed out TC his the, the line out throwing was absolutely shocking um, there were three you know three lots straight he overthrew another um, so something wasn't clicking a line out this week I thought uh, up front I thought you know to get in comparison to that sort of Wednesday night game I thought the the scrummage was was solid and Afoa and Jan Thomas were just brilliant and I think they just showed that their experience and size really did the job against their scrum we didn't really I think get turned over too many times so I'd like to commend Jan and Afoa and Atwood and Joyce was, were solid again and Heenan got sadly sent off with the HIA, didn't he? But him and Roy were great. And Fitzhardings made some good metres. So, yeah, apart from the line-out, I thought the, the, the scrum and the scrums were, were, were pretty good. 
And I think they mentioned it on commentary, didn't they? That I, I don't think there was a reset scrum in the certainly in the first half, and it was so nice to see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our, our front row stay on its uh, stay on its feet and uh, not not concede any penalties there. Uh, Pete, let me come to you then, as far as the backs concerned. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll start with Andy Wren. I mean, it was it, it's good to see him back, and and we, you know, we know what Andy Wren does for us. He's he's as Miles would say, he is a solid performer for the Bears, and he was solid again yesterday, but. I mean, I, I felt his timing wasn't was a bit off. I mean, that's inevitable, really. I just, I don't know what you thought, boys, when I was just watching it, thinking, you know, everything's just a little bit hesitant, and he's not quite got the timing quite right, and he's 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 a couple of steps off the ruck to pass it, and it was kind of to me seemed fairly obvious relative to say to to Harry Randall and having watched him at Tottenham last week and various things. And I I don't really blame Andy for that. I mean, you know, he's his first game back after a hamstring. I mean, you know, he did what he's supposed to do, but it just wasn't quite there. And, And hopefully this game, and in many ways you could argue it kind of doesn't really matter in the massive scheme of things. And if he's, got that game under his belt and he's ready for the, the two games against Sale and he's a little bit sharper, then brilliant. Then that's that's what I hope. I mean, he did one horrendous box kick, didn't he, that almost went backwards. <laughs> and, and, but it was good to see his little hand pointing at the at the line, touch line, went telling the lino where the ball had gone out. So I'd missed him. So it was good to see him back. Um, Cheeto, I mean, again, you know, he just got, he got out shadowed really by by bigger you know he scored a good try it just it just wasn't brilliant you know what we want um frisch i thought again just looked class and you just start thinking why are we not play why are we not play him earlier mm-hmm. in the season um you know that you could argue yeah he was he was part of a central unit that did let through a couple of tries but i'm not 100% sure it was his fault to be honest and i just think i just love the cut of his jib i just love the play way he plays rugby yeah what do you you can say Tone I was just going to say when you look at the statistics you, you know oh, look at the what the statistics let me get that out that's the Malbec um, that you know uh, Frisch was a top tackler in the yeah. team 13 yeah. tackles none yeah. missed that's so quite impression. Semi made three tackles, missed four tackles. Yeah. So I just, yeah, you, I mean, I think. You see where the gap is. Yeah. I, and I mean, I, <laughs> I, I. So Frisch did, did, annoyingly, Frisch is just looking better and better for somebody else to sign him, aren't they? It's mm. just, this is the most frustrating. I mean, I'm not upset about it. I'm incandescent with rage about that at the moment because <laughs> for whatever reason, if we lose him at the end of the season, and we'll talk about this maybe later. <laughs> It's just an absolute scandal. Yeah. Uh, and then moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Morahan, as, as, as Miles rightly said, reminded us what we've been missing. And that's just the depressing thing is that, yeah, we've been missing that thoroughbred for so many games. And the only crumb of comfort was that A, didn't get injured again, and B, we hopefully he'll play both the games or he'll be part of our European campaign. So that's a positive thing because he he just looked class. But again, you know, are we going to see him again next season? And Charles, okay, I'll give him a due. came on for second half. So against Tottenham, so you could argue, well, he's had his like warm up 
did he really do anything major? I mean, he tried. He didn't. He, he didn't really look better than Furbank. But then again, Furbank was playing behind a a back line that was kind of had their pecker up. Oh, I mean, I've got to be honest, and this is controversial. I thought Rich Lane looked better on Wednesday against Gloucester and at Tottenham than Charles Piertow did yesterday. So I'll just leave it there. But that's 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 you know we are supposed to be controversial tone, aren't we? Contemporaneous, isn't it? Uh, yeah, contemporaneous. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, let's uh, move on then uh, to disappointed to disappointing results in a week. Uh, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, let's move on then. We have, uh, we're out of the Premiership Cup. We're sadly lacking in the league. Our season hinges now on the uh, European Champions Cup. And, uh, of course, we've got the two-legged affair with Sale. uh, The first leg this weekend away at Sale. Now, before we talk about it, let's... uh, Well, it can't be Pete's Premiership preview. It is uh, Pete's Champions Cup chat. um, And uh, with with our... Chimps Champions Cup chat. Yeah. Uh so uh let's let's listen to that now. Okay, so I am very happy to be joined by Alex Odlin from the Shark Tank Pod. Um, many thanks, Alex, for coming on and, and helping us preview the big Champions Cup showdown. Uh, are you well? I am, thanks, Pete. Thanks very much for having me on. It's it's very good to be here. I've uh, just had to run halfway across Manchester because the whole city's been closed by the marathon. So after a weekend of uh, watching Sale on Friday night, be slightly disappointed against Saracens. It's uh, yeah, it's all been go, but now I'm really good and very happy to be here. So yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Are you well? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I mean, just to clarify, you weren't running the marathon, were you? No, absolutely not. Absolutely no interest in that. So uh, yeah, I was just uh, trying to trying to avoid all the people running it who were staggering around uh, around Manchester, looking very very stiff and very sore. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think I'd be with you when I think I can't think anything worse to do than run a marathon. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so before we get on to chatting about next Friday and beyond, um, I'd just be interested to get your thoughts on. Um, what sort of shape Sale are in at the moment uh, as a club? Because, um, you know, you've clearly had a, a better second half of the season. But as you mentioned just now, you lost on Friday at home against Sarri. So I'm just interested to get a bit of a, a general um, summary of where you think you are. Yeah, I think it's been, you know, we had such a high last season getting into the semi-finals for the first time in 14, 15 years. Um and obviously, with all the upheaval with Alex Anderson coming on board, it's been a bit of a uh, it's been a very up and down season as a sale fan. And we've probably had our expectations lowered a little bit. We had that you know pretty shocking start to the season, and then we went on a run. You know, we were beating we beat Leicester at home with a bonus point, we beat Quinns away with a bonus point, and all of a sudden it felt like it was all coming together quite nicely. And that momentum's just stalled a bit in the last few games. You know, we had we had a couple of draws. Um, which is, you know, we probably should have won. We've won a couple of games by, you know, two or three points. And then, yeah, obviously we lost against Saris, we lost away at Exeter. And, you know, the the little little hope we had of top four is probably ebbing away now. 
Um, but it's still, you know, it's a good season overall. I think we knew that it was going to be a bit of a transition, a tough, tough one to to kind of deal with. Um, there's a lot of people in the squad. We've had a few injuries at really bad times and, and players being away for a large portion of the season. Influential people like Faf and um, AJ, obviously, who I'm sure we'll want to talk about as well from your perspective. So it's, you know, it's a sale team that have got a lot of potential, but have been hamstrung a little bit by injuries and some woeful discipline over the last few weeks is probably meaning we're coming in around mid-table. You know, we're probably going to get into Europe, I think, the way we're playing anyway, unless it really goes wrong. But I think top four might be off the cards. So that's about where we are. And, and I think as a sale fan, you know, we probably have to be quite happy with that because we've had some shockers over the last 10 years. So to even be in the conversation for top four at one point during the season is uh, is a much better position than where we have been, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I did watch the game on Friday and I think we could... From a neutral's point of view, I think we'd say that was one for the purist. Um, it was, uh, it wasn't a great spectacle, but it was, it was kind of compelling in a physical sort of sort of way. I mean, what did you think about about that game? Yeah, well, I was in I was in the stadium because I've got a season ticket, and it was a really good atmosphere, which helped. Um, and yeah, the intensity was massive. But I think the, yeah, as you say, it wasn't the most exciting game. Certainly, especially if you're, if you're a Bristol fan, you're used to running rugby and exciting rugby. We, you know, our expectations of that have been dampened as sale fans. We're used to power and brute force, not a lot, uh, not a lot of invention. Um, so, you know, we know what we're getting, but against Saris, the problem is, you know, against other teams, we can do it and, you know, we'll win if we play well because we've got all that power. Against Saris, when you've got a Toge and some of the hits, it was just mind-boggling. So, yeah, it was, as a rugby fan, you know, it was just a show of power like you've never seen. But I, as an entertainment spectacle, I think, um, yeah, it was uh, It was probably, it, it turned out to be what we all expected it to be, which was attritional, like almost test match level intensity, but um, no exciting tries. And I think Sale butched a couple of opportunities. As, a, as the biased Sale fan I am, I thought we probably could have won the game if we could, you know, execute in their 22. But that has been one of a myriad of problems with our season is that um, we give away penalties. And when we get five metres out from the try line, we struggle to score a bit. So, you know, against Saris, you just can't get away with it, can you? They're just too good, unfortunately. Um, So it it is what it is. I mean, we know about butchering great opportunities against Saris in their 22 uh, from uh, painful experience and not that long ago. Um, for what it's worth, I actually thought you were a bit unlucky not to win that as well. I think uh, I think you did enough. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those those kind of brutal sort of games. So uh, <laughs> that you kind of don't, I haven't, I can barely remember it now, to be honest. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm not here to slag off your game plan. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just think about Europe then. So we've got two, Two two legs. It's a bit odd, isn't it, that we're not in some sort of uh, you know we're, we're playing against each other. We're not against some sort of foreign side or Irish side or whatever. But it is what it is. Um, I mean, first legs obviously up at your place on Friday. Second leg back at the gate. Um, I mean, how do you see Sanderson sort of mapping out a route to the quarter final against the Bears? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird time to be as a sale v Bristol. Because as I say, you've got those two very distinct styles I think and you know the Bristol game is just so exciting and you've got that separation pace that if anyone ever listens to our pod all we go on about is the lack of pace in the sales side it's basically we've made a career out of it for three years um but you know so we 
we've done well in the past when we've been able to shut you down with our defence, I think. And that, you know, two years ago, our defence was probably at its peak. It was brilliant. It's not been as good this season. You know, we're not in the 90% tackle success rate like we were. Um, and we're not quite, you know, we're conceding like four tries a game on a lot of occasions. So, we, that's going to have to be a massive part of it because I think if it turns into a free-flowing attacking game, there's only going to be one winner um, and it's not going to be Sale Sharks, unfortunately, as much as I'd like it to be. Um, so I think that's that's key and it's, it's more difficult for us with the second leg away from home because we know that your boys could score four tries in about 10 minutes if they wanted to. And, and, you know, it's happened to us before. I think we're going to have to, we're obviously going to have to take a lead to, to the gate and, and that's crucial. And I think doing that is about kicking our goals that we've, you know, not done that well. We Our discipline's been absolutely shocking, so we need to improve that. Um, and if we can kind of, if we have that lead, I think, and turn it into a proper one-off match at, at the gate, then we can, you know, shut the game down and that's probably the only way we can do it or the best way to do it, you know, because if we start, if it if it gets expansive, um, which Bristol will obviously want it to, and that I imagine Sanderson will be trying to shut it down, then it's going to be a real struggle. We've got, you know, a, we've got some big players coming back. Tuilangi came back off the bench against Saracens, and obviously he'll have a big part to play in Europe. I think it's going to be a priority for sale because of the way that, we're, you know, the season's going. We're probably going to end up in the European places. Um, we've got a relatively easy run in compared to what we've had previously. You know, we've got lights in Newcastle um, to play. So we, we're probably focusing on Europe. It's a big opportunity for Sanderson to make a statement. But two legs um, against the Bristol side is, as I say, it's about not allowing your team that 10-minute period where they just overrun us. And, and it's happened before and it'll definitely happen again. Um, so I think shutting the game down and, and unfortunately making it as like that Saris game as possible is the best way for this sale team to win. And it's it's not the way we want to see the rugby played, but I think it's about being realistic with our strengths at the moment. You know, maybe in next season when George Ford comes in, we'll change our playing style. And we're seeing it with a couple of young wingers coming through in Tom Robel, Cameron Reed, who are much pacier and much more exciting to watch. Um but, you know, that that forward pack is what we built our success on over the last few years. And it's going to have to go again. And, and I think that Faf de Klerk, Harry Randall battle that I presume we'll see will be huge in this because de Klerk has been missing for a large portion of the season for sale. So if he can dominate the game of the boot and play that, you know, that South Africa style that the sale have pretty much copied and then what got them to the World Cup final and won them the World Cup, um, then that they'll be kicking and position and, and you know, territory for us. Because um, if we can keep you guys in your half, then it's a much, much less dangerous game. Um, all, all the while knowing that, you know, one missed tackle and, and the game blows up. So, yeah, it's probably not what Bristol fans want to hear, so I can only apologise, but <laughs> I sense it'll uh, be us trying to make the game as unrugby as possible. Um, and we'll probably rightly get grief for it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll take that on the chin and hopefully next season come back with an amazing attacking style of play that blows the, blows the nuts off everyone. But even then, I think uh, you'll probably be better at us than that. So we just have to play to our strengths, I think, don't we? Well, 
Well, I mean, it's sometimes the hope that kills you. I mean, it's all very well, you know, scoring four tries, but then when the opposition scores six, like it seems to be happening for us, it's not necessarily better. Um, I mean, I guess I also think that if, if uh, Manu had watched our defence yesterday, especially in the centres, he'll be he'll be licking his lips all the way through the week. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I, I We're kind of expecting it to be a, a very, very tough tough away leg and I think like you if we can be in touch like you said if we can be in touch with you back at the gate then we're going to have to back ourselves but yeah it's going to be intriguing and uh, you know at the end of the day it's uh, you know it will be what it will be um, right before we finish I've got a couple of other questions kind of unrelated I mean the first one is what you alluded to earlier is that obviously we're uh, we're going to be welcoming um well, AJ, I only found out recently he's called Alan, isn't he? Alan, Alan Megan. Jr. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're going to be we're going to be welcoming AJ to uh, to the gate next year. I mean, we were very quite excited about that. I mean, I'm just interested to know as fans what were your thoughts about that when you heard it? Was it kind of dampened a little bit by the fact that you knew Ford George Ford's coming? And uh, and also what we you know beyond what we probably know by just watching. So, what else might we get from from AJ? Yeah, well, I mean, when we heard the AJ news, we didn't, we had absolutely no idea about George Ford and we were gutted. And I think that goes for the whole fan base. As a podcast, we were gutted, but as a fan base, I think it was the same. He is a brilliant player. He's been absolutely superb. He obviously had that pre-existing relationship with Pat Lamb from Connacht. Uh, where they won the pro whatever number it was at the time. Um, and he came to us sort of, you know, we knew he'd won the league with Connacht, but he was relatively unheralded. Um, first couple of seasons, a few injury problems, didn't really break through. And then the last three seasons, he's just been absolutely superb. And I think you're getting an absolute gem. He's, you know, he's 32, I think now, early 30s anyway. Um, and he's in probably the best form of his life. He's kicking off the tee has become metronomical. That's been a real improvement over his time at Sale. But is you know, the way he um, commands the pitch and commands the game and moves the team around is, I think, his biggest strength. He's just a massive leader on the pitch. He is the general. We've had Sale players on the pod before, and they've spoken about how good he is to play with on the pitch. You know, he will just direct you around, put you in the right space. And the thing you're going to enjoy most is the show and go, which I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever watched him as a sale fan, because you watch it every week, you just get obsessed with it. But he's got the most amazing show and go and he'll find a gap, you know, just throws, throws the dummy and sends the whole team off one way. And he's through a gap and ducks into it. He's really physical, gets his head in all the, wrong places quite often um you know he, he got injured for us the other week basically carrying on a short line to score a try like he was a back rower so he'll give his all for the team I think he's got that obviously I spoke about that relationship with Pat Lamb I think that'll really help um he's an absolute gem and we as I say it's been sort of offset our, our disappointment's been offset by the fact that George Ford is coming but I still think as a fan base if you gave us McGinty or Ford I think the majority of Sale fans would keep McGinty. So it's a massive, massive loss for Sale and a massive, massive coup for Bristol, in my opinion. And I think he'll be, he will be brilliant. And, you know, just to have him like bringing through the other guys, him working with Harry Randall at nine, you know, you've got, obviously got Shudy at 10. You've got so many players around him who I think will become better players for playing with him. So, you know, it's, it's very gushing, but I can't speak highly enough of him. And, uh, I, it'll be, it'll be a painful one to watch him come back up to the AJ Bell next year. So, uh, we, uh, 
match. Yeah, if, if there's anyone booing him, it won't be me because I'll be cheering him all the way. But um, yeah, what a player. What, and he's just a great clubman as well. So uh, yeah, you've uh, you've done very well. And hopefully he manages to, uh, to stay fit and make a real impact because I think he, 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 he's still got a lot of, uh, lot of great games left in him. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I mean, if that isn't isn't a glowing reference, I, I don't know what is. So, uh, well, we 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 do look forward to that. It's great. Right, I think I have to call it a day there, Alex. That's brilliant. I, I really appreciate all of that. It's fantastic insight, um, sort of stuff that we don't know. So, uh, really appreciate the time, and uh, perhaps we can have a chat again, uh, maybe in between the two legs. Who knows? <laughs> Depends how well the first one goes. But yeah, let's see. <laughs> okay. Well, Pete, uh, good one there. Um, I'm, I'm also a little surprised they're not more confident than, um, you know, with our form and the way we've been playing, mm. that uh, they're not more confident of the, the success over the two legs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly when you think that, you know, we they've got Manu Tuolangi just come back and he's going to be licking his lips if he watches the, uh, the rerun of the Northampton game. Um, he's just going to be desperate to get through that gaping hole in the middle but yeah I mean I think he made a point I mean Alex was a, a very nice very knowledgeable chap uh, and we've we've had Lewis on before so they know their stuff you know he was very un- he was very apologetic about what we were going to expect which was sale to try and just squeeze out the game squeeze out the space you know he doesn't think they've got that much pace so the only way they're going to win is, is beat us up and um <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, if we can't, if we don't, we know the players will front up. We know that they won't give up. We know that. And whatever we say, no no player has ever down tools this season. Um, they they put their bodies on the line and we, we, we love and respect them for that. But we have to be so at it. You know, we cannot get on the wrong side of the ref. We cannot lose the, the set-piece battle. We cannot lose the kicking game. Uh, the kicking game against Sale. And if we do, it could be a very depressing couple of live fixtures to come. Um, but, you know, if we can, if we can unlock the door a little bit and we can, you know, we can put them on the back foot, they, they aren't as good. I mean, one point he said is he doesn't think they're as good defensively as they were last season. So there is, and we, you know, we had some pretty close games against them, even though we lost last year and we've already beaten them once anyway. So this season, so I think we've got to be positive. We have, why, why not? I mean, we have to be positive. We've got nothing else to be positive about, have we? Um, these uh, So, you know, we're, it's 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 going to be interesting, no doubt about it. And Miles, obviously, these uh, two-legged games. I'm not a huge fan of the old uh, two-leg games. What 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 do you think Pat's mentality will be going uh, uh, up to sale? Do you think it's just to make sure we're still alive in the tie to to come back to Ashton Gate, or do you think he's going up there with the the idea to uh, to you know get the win and uh, put the pressure on them? Uh, well, I would hope he's sending a decent team up to, to do a job on them, to be honest with you. Uh, as Pete said, we beat them at Ashton Gate this season. They didn't have their uh, international factor clerk playing at the time, did they? Uh, who's now back. But they have, yeah, the run of form has been average, you would say, this season. Um, and they obviously lost again this weekend. But I think, you know, Pat Moore is going to have to send a strong team, a very strong team, to to the AJ Bell. Uh, and as like Pete said, and, and 
um, of the host of a podcast suggested their defence hasn't been as good as last season. They they were historically amazing at stymieing our attacking game, weren't they? And we, you know, as Bristol fans, we accused them of boring, boring, boring sale. Um, and they could do that again. They're at the home ground. They're going to want to put on a good show for probably a sellout crowd up in Manchester. And But I, I think it will be a tighter game than we think. And I think maybe the return leg with the old, the good old faithful Ashton Gate that Pat will be hoping to sort of prop up with a, more tries and really sort of, you know, dig the heel in and, and get some more points over them. And Pete, let's let's talk about team selections then. Maybe if you look at the forwards, um, what what changes do you uh, do you see from uh, the Northampton game? Well, depending on you know, like normal, depending on fitness and recovery. I just think this is you know we we can't faff around here. We have got to stick our best players up, and if something happens to them then we have to have an understudy that comes in. We don't faff around with like, oh, let's have someone on in the first half. Bring us. So we start with a foa. We start with, um, um, who did we start with? On We had a foa and <laughs> I've completely forgotten who was on. Jan Thomas, yes. And Jan Thomas, yeah, of course, of course, Jan oh. Thomas. I, I just think, I, I actually think despite Vacker's um, poor probably performance at the line out it was a bit of an anomaly so I think you know I think we stick with that front three and we go Atwood Joyce and we go I mean you can play around with the back row a little bit but I just think we need to start with a solid front our best front five because that's where the game's gonna be played is there an England international that might feature somewhere Oh, well, Sinclair, obviously, I forgot about him. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? I mean, you know, yes, but, you know, he's like the only England international hasn't played since uh, the Six Nations. Everyone else seems to play it. Well, he, well, he was came. So, I think Pat said he had a bit of bruising. Now, he's, am I right? He hardly played, did he? I know, I know. There's a few anyway, games. OK, uh, it will be either Jan, Thomas or Sinclair. I suspect Sinclair will be on the bench if he if he's coming back for an injury. Uh, but I just think we've got to start with a foa. <laughs> You know what? He's got nothing to lose. He's got his last. It's his last swan song, isn't it? I mean, he'll just muster as much energy as he can to get through as many minutes as he can. Um, and and back row. I mean, we're we're up against some filth, aren't we? John O'Ross, you know, Depreeses. I, I and then Tom Curry or Ben Curry actually probably because um, Tom Curry's injured. <sighs> Who knows? I mean, I think Harding will play. Um, Vui, I reckon we'll stick Vui at six again, and it will be one, and it will be Jeffries, I think, because because um, uh, uh, Heenan went off for an HIA, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I who knows? Dan, Dan Thomas was listed as unavailable. Yeah, I uh, just just want to throw in then, if we are struggling a little bit uh, because we don't think there'll be uh, Luatua if Dan Thomas yeah. isn't back. Mm. Um, big knife. Back yeah. from Bath, playing yeah. well. You know, game. Is, is there an argument that you maybe bring him straight back at eight and put Fitzhardin on the other flank? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a horses for courses situation, isn't it? You know, forget about what you know what might or might not have happened in the season. It's down to you know we need to get a we need to win. <laughs> it's like a, it's not well it's not quite knockout rugby, but it is as close to it. Mm-hmm. And if you 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 know you put your weaponry in the right place, so yeah, and no, I think it's a good point, Tone. I, I would wouldn't be surprised if we saw Nafe there, number eight. Um, Vui, I still think Vui's got to play at some point. 
and I just quite like the idea of Vui at six. Hmm. And then it'll well, then it could be the issue of you know is Harding seven? I don't know, it, or it might be Thomas. Maybe Thomas will come in and Harding's on the bench to come on to kind of give a bit of zip if if the game you know breaks up a little bit. Um, so yeah, but I just I just feel we just can't faff around. It's like okay, stick them all up there. We we if we can, it's like we said, we need to be in touch for the return leg at Ashton Gate. Therefore, we know it's going to be a filthy sort of game and we just need to get stuck in and we need to put our best weaponry in there mm. at the AJ Bell. Yeah. And if they, you know, that's what they're paid to do. Just get them in there, get them in there, tell them to do as much as damage as they can. And then, and then when they can't breathe anymore, then you bring them off and you put your subs on. I want to see, I want to see John Afoa crawling off the, the pitch at the AJ Bell, because I think he'll want to. That's what he wants to do. Uh, I've, got, legacy. I've got a feeling Sinclair will start and uh, Afoa will come on. I think, I think uh, Pat's keeping Sinclair um, fresh for this yeah. one. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the backs, uh, the forwards rather. Miles, your thoughts on the backs? Well, I, I have to agree with Pete. We're not going there to muck around for 40 minutes and then change over to the substitutions as, as finishers, have we? We've got to finish this game from the start, from the from the minute one. There's Come on, no, Miles. Absolutely no. I mean, I, I don't often agree with Pete, but I'm, I'm with him. You know what, Mike? Let's get on. Let's buy tickets and let's get up there on Friday night, Miles. Let's get there. Come on. We, Pat is not going to muck around this week with these half-hearted players. You're right, TC. Basically, we need to start with our best players. And if they can't last 80 minutes, they should crawl off the pitch. So for that reason, Harry <laughs> Randall, England international, has to start with Erin on the bench. Sheedy, oh, a bit lacklustre, but he's he's the, you know, he's, he's Pat's favourite. He'll start. Leiwa was, I thought, great. Frisch was great. Semi, uh, yeah, that sounds about centre partnership. Nirolago looks unlikely now, so I think Morahan will probably start and Piotr there. But, you know, it's a shame on old Rich Lane, who's had a fantastic couple of games, that he's just sort of dropped out the, the finishes, hasn't he? But with injuries, we may see him. Um, and, and, you know, and yeah, the best team have to well, start... I think Rich Lane will be on the bench because Charles Piotr never plays 80 minutes, does he? So, you know, he's, he's got to be there. We need to have a fullback somewhere Yeah, to finish the game off. I, I must admit, you've reminded me, I completely forgot about Alapati when I was talking about performances and I actually thought he played quite well. I, I, I wanted to say that the resurgence of Alapati continues. Um, the rebuilding of his career after we slagged him off for running in treacle at the beginning of the season is, is nothing short of remarkable, actually, to be honest. Um, so yeah, so fair play to Alapati, and yeah, he'll probably start. He's the sort of bloke we want. We want him. We basically want people with tattoos. It's a real shame that Heenan is injured because we want. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't bring Mitch Eady in just because he looks blooming hard, doesn't he? He looks. He's just. Pat's just going to look like he looks the hardest. Let's All just right. bring him in. Let's let's try and keep this semi sensible uh, before we get on to the, the most tattooed team uh, in in Bristol history. Um, yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. I think Randall Randall to start at nine. He's probably going to go with Callum, isn't he? At ten as his uh, as his lieutenant. Um, you know, 
and he's probably going to go with Ran Randra at 13. Although you could argue, you know, Frisch and Piers O'Connor had that, that great partnership working. And yeah. do you have Ran Randra on the bench? Um, absolutely. We go with our strongest team. But I wonder whether we'll have a slightly more conservative game plan for, for up here that, uh, you know, we don't need to throw it around. Maybe we do need to play a bit more territory, a bit more possession, a bit more basics. Uh, to go for the win, but not a, a win at all costs. Um, so, uh, are, you are you suggesting there might be a bit more game management going on up at the HFLTC? Well, you know, it is going to be a filthy game, isn't it? And uh, yeah. like, like uh, Pete says, you're going to have to fight fire with fire. But um, you know, it, it is only half time. Once uh, once the game finishes on Saturday afternoon, Pete. Not not Friday. Don't chase up there on Friday. Otherwise, you'll be oh, yeah. uh, sorry. a little bit early. It's Friday night at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, so, I'm going to go up Friday night anyway. You know, just have a night out in Salford. Just because you're that angry. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's um, let, let's do our predictions, uh, Pete. If you'd like to do one for Lee when I come to you, but uh, let me come to you first, Miles. European Champions Cup away at Sale. Give me your result prediction. Oh, I, you know, it's it, uh, part of me says it's a bit hard to be that optimistic of with form of late, but you know, listening to to, to the preview, their defence has been a bit leaky. I think of an extremely tight game. I'm going to go as tight as twenty one Bristol, twenty to Sale. Okay, twenty twenty one. First of all, then Pete, will you give me Lee's prediction? Yeah, well, Lee is going to, because he's clearly not listened, <laughs> he hasn't heard what uh, any of us said. He is going to go for a 53-48 win for sale to bring to Ashton Gate, a three-point margin. Oh, oh. 53-48 is three-point, no, no, five-point margin, sorry. One yeah. try in it. Stick, stick to the geography there. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and Pete, Pete, your prediction? 15-12. To Bristol. To Bristol. It's going to be tight, but we're going to bring back a lead and we're going to then destroy them at the gate. Right. Well, okay. I am going to go for a 21-18 to 18 sale victory. I think we'll, we'll keep it to three. Uh, to uh, to to have everything to play for then back at the gate. Uh, okay, now the uh, the big news from this week. Um, well, lots of snippets of news. I mean, let's cover a couple of them first off. The uh, much heralded rumor that Dave Atwood would sign for Bath, two-year contract, uh, thirty-five nearly now, and that will take him to thirty-seven miles. Um, unfortunate, but I think we talked on the pod, you know, is, is lock the position that, that we really need to strengthen next year? Uh, no, I mean, it, it is, is unfortunate because he's been an amazing ambassador for the club this year. He's such a great player off the pitch and he's so eloquent with his sort of lawyer's brain on the, uh, you know, when, when chatting to fans and, and press afterwards. He's been absolutely fantastic. And I think most Bristol fans will pat him on the back and say, and thank you for an amazing service. However, a few pods ago, we discussed there was an article saying that he was, you know, 
he's got a wife uh, and a family to feed um, and, and be paying. So to be left a little bit in limbo by the club without a contract meant that he obviously, the season is nearly ended. He had to make a decision and clearly wanted to keep in the West Country. And I, I, I don't blame him at all for just going back down the, M, down the M4 to Bath. Sadly, it's our arts rivals. So it's not the, the route we would have chosen in advance, but... Um, an absolute committed rugby player through and through. And I'll be so sorry to see him go, even if we could have offered him over only a year, but the salary cap has struck again. Mm. Yeah. And coming the other way, we've got Nathan at the end of his loan spell with Bath. No point in him staying any longer. He couldn't play for them in the Champions Cup, Pete. Um, I, I think the only question is, you know, whatever's happened behind the scenes, is he going to be used or not? Your 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 thoughts? Well, I think I said, well, I think we he might be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean if he's if it's the if he's at the end of his contract, if he's gonna leave at the end of the season, you know, we've got a horses for courses sort of game coming up. It is it seems sensible to 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 get him out of there. Smash him, you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Smash him. Okay. And then the the big news, which was broken, I think, by the Daily Telegraph midweek. Um, and I think there had been some rumours about this, that um, uh, a couple of years back, we signed a lot of the players on a two plus one contract. So they had two years and then uh, either side had the option of, uh, or there was a one year extension unless either side by a certain deadline uh, decided they weren't going to exercise that, either the club or the individual. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we haven't had it officially confirmed, but uh, if you read the report, uh, it's believed that six players that uh, the club were going to offload at the end of the season, uh, we've missed the deadline to uh, cancel that plus one year on their contracts that's rolled in now. Um, so where Pat and the management team thought they were freeing up £400,000 uh, of salary, um, mm. that is no longer the case. Pete, let me come to you first. Um, do you think when Pat, someone told Pat this, do you think he, he walked out and said, uh, look, look, this is all learnings and... Uh, <laughs> you know, We'll we'll, we'll we'll take this on the stride, and uh, I hope he didn't say we'll be stronger for it next season because we we may may not be. I imagine he's well. I I mean he must have been raging, but if it's true, obviously because it's only speculation from a newspaper article, it hasn't been corroborated. Um, I, I I mean this is this kind of. People were just kind of bemoaning this, weren't they, on social media? Is that this is this is the kind of talk about the Bears' way on the pitch, but the Bristol way behind the scenes is to kind of, you know, it's bringing back bad memories of the past and and maladministration and and so forth. I mean, it, it sounds like there has been some sort of horrendous oversight, and. You know, it, I mean, there's nothing. What can you say? What can you say if, if if it's if it is an administrative error, human error? I mean, someone somewhere has made a mistake, and I think the only crumb of comfort is that if we have, it's put us in a difficult position with regards to kind of balancing 
the salary cap, at least it is incompetence that has done it rather than willful uh, breaking of the rules like some other clubs. So whilst some other clubs might be kind of feeling a bit of schadenfreude at the moment, because obviously everybody just assumed Bristol was breaking the cap without any substantiated evidence last year or the season before. Um, I think it's quite important for, to, to make this distinction between incompetence and malicious intent. But either way, it's it's going to cause problems, isn't it? And, um, you know, we don't know who this, these six are. We, I mean, it's going to, I mean, it's not going to cause much kind of cohesion within the camp either, is it? I mean, you know, we've got to think about what, how's this, you know, how's this going to run out in terms of players against each other? You know, if, if you you know who the six are who were supposed to go, but they can't, and then six who aren't supposed to go, have got to go. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be much fun. So I think the only way we can get over this is win the Champions Cup. So everyone's happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, I, time will tell and I'm sure it will come out in the wash, but it just doesn't seem like a, it doesn't seem good. No, Miles, I mean, if it, yeah, it's true, it's six people, you know, that, that's only a 65, 70,000 average salary. So it, it potentially wasn't any of the stars. It was some of those uh, fringe players. But if you believe reports, people like Morahan and even Frisch, now we might not be able to, um, you know, to keep them because we're going to have to balance the books. Uh, your thoughts on those two individuals if, uh, you know, this forces one or maybe both of them out of Ashton Gate? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going I'm to quote Pat from the interview with Sarah Egan before the match yesterday, who actually says something like, we plan to improve our squad season on season. Well, I mean, how could that possibly happen? We have been, well, I mean, I think all of us have been singing Frisch's phrase, um, praises in the last sort of three, four weeks. And we've said, along with other listeners uh, and Bears fans, we cannot afford to lose this chap. He has been our answer to Inside Centre that we've lost um, after, the, after the end of the last season. So to let him, potentially him go... And as we saw yesterday, the magic that Morahan can bring in certain occasions on the pitch to lose another player like that is an absolute car crash. I mean, let, let me quote someone on social media, shall I, who posted this week. It's an absolute car crash that someone forgot to set their reminder to check the details for contract renewals. Shocking. Heads should roll. This club needs to give a proper statement to season card holders and could make next season even worse. And well done for the person posting that. I don't know whoever they were. At Miles Clark. <laughs> Actually, it was me. It was me. But it is not great. I mean, the fact that you're right, the, it, within the squad, we have got six players who we were potentially going to release. We've now got to pay out within the cap up to £400,000. In, in an already reduced £1.4 million cap makes Pat's life even harder. And he is not going to be a happy chap. And he's just, I, I, I think, putting a brave face on it at this point. Yeah. Pete, let me, oh, sorry, Go on. Carry I was going to ask you, Tony, because you're you're you know you're a corporate man. But what I don't understand is how can we get rid of how can we then get rid of six other people if they've all also got can't just buy them out of their contracts, can we? If they've already, well, where are we going to make these savings? Is it people that have just got no their contracts coming to the end of this season? 
yeah, because I, I mean, if you read the article, I think it was, uh, you know, when people signed up two years yeah. ago, they lots of them were on this two plus one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think everyone in the squad necessarily was. No, I, I think we know people like Charles Pietau uh, have uh, is, is is likely to be on his way. Yeah. We know Nathan's gone. Obviously, they gave okay. him plenty of notice as well so whether they they thought about the big fish that would be be leaving and um you know clearly dave atwood they hadn't triggered so it's it's not everyone it is the fringe players that people have forgotten about that maybe there wasn't a decision on and they just and and they signed a plus one and and yeah it was just it was just left too late so Yes, that's six players with about four hundred thousand of salary cap. But you know, do you? You don't need to lose six players to make that up. You might just need to lose one or two big it, players to to make the difference. I mean, the question I would also ask is then: so if if Frisch was only signed on a one one year deal, like why would they do that? I mean, this is somebody they're getting in who's got potential. Why would you risk the fact that he? We might have this situation where he could leave. Like, why was he not? Why were? Why was he not? I mean, who knows? You know, were they taking a gamble on a unproven French Division Two player that's turned out to be, you know, an absolute diamond? I think there was speculation in the um, in the rugby papers today that maybe Semi Ranranja could uh, could be offered out now you know is this one of the solutions and yeah. I think you know we were all in awe of him in that first season but he, he failed to live up to expectations but uh, if he's one of the marquee players obviously we go down to only one marquee player if Piatau and Ranrandra both uh, both go uh, that doesn't help us with the salary cap as uh, you know initially but what you can do then is pick, pick maybe the third highest a player within the salary cap who might be on three, four, five hundred thousand, make him your marquee player, and all of a sudden, then you 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 you've maybe solved the problem. Mm. Uh, but you know, uh, is is Pat willing to sacrifice Ranrandra to to mean that he could potentially then keep the likes of Morahan and Frisch? Now that was the speculation in the rugby paper. Pete, interested to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> Well, I mean, if it's, I've read the same report. I mean, you know, it seems that they're kind of dangling that hook and saying he was seen in Bordeaux, and but he might also go to Japan. It's like, yeah, there's two different places there. But it, I mean, let's just, as we, (laughs) it's difficult to say that because in the context of just reviewing yesterday's game it seems like a great solution but i you know i it's but we're talking about people's livelihoods here so we can't be flippant um it it seems like a good one i mean you're basically saying you push probably steve luatua into the marquee and then yeah i mean it releases whatever steve luatua has got now if he's being paid three to four hundred grand you're right there is your problem solved um is it is has would you know the question is would we be how much worse off would we be out with be without semi next year um it's a good question i i think that's a question we're just going to leave hanging there tone but it's it's clearly an option uh, absolutely so um i think i think we've heard some reports that they hope in the next week or two to uh announce you know who's staying who's going um, it will be interesting to see if there's any, you know, I think we'll start to get a feel about, you know, some of the 
maybe some of the six, the Ashton Gate six. We've had the Ashton yeah. Gate eight. We've got oh, yeah. the Ashton Gate six well, now. Actually, uh, I've got to tell you something is I know where Semi Randranja lives. He lives really close to where I work. I know exactly because I've seen his car in the driveway. So if, if I see a for sale sign go up, then you know that I will get the scoop to you straight away. Ford Mustang on uh, BS3 yeah. Facebook or BS9 Facebook will know. We? I mean, I won't tell you where it is, but I know uh, where it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's let let's not reveal any any no. further. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, famously, there were the Ashton Gate Eight that ripped up their contracts, weren't they? That was to save the club. I don't think we're in any situation like that with the the Bristol Bears Ashton Gate Six. But uh, you've got a feeling, you know, if they weren't wanted here with every team in the league going to struggle to get under the salary cap. Uh, you know, some of those fringe players, they're, they're going to stay put, aren't they? If they can get another year of decent salary with the Bears, uh, they're not going to move on and maybe go to a championship club and get get, get half the pay. Um, why, why would you? The things like Ran Randra, you know he probably is going to be able to go somewhere else and command the same or similar salary. So, uh, you know, is it a solution? We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But... Uh, it will be fascinating when we do get the retained list uh, and see see whether there are any other players that uh, that might come in. Um, but uh, yeah, only at Bristol, eh? Only at Bristol, as you say, Pete. We seem to be doing lots right on the field, but off the field, uh, we 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 still aren't uh, we aren't a top six club when it comes to uh, uh, things off the field. Okay, gentlemen, I know it's been on Zoom, but it's been a pleasure to uh, cyber see you tonight. That's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please do subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. We'll be back uh, next week with our review of the sale game, the game away in Manchester, and then a preview of the return lag at Ashton Gate. So until next time, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Briz.